Let's go to the Lord in prayer, if we could, please. Father, as we uh, come this morning, and uh, as we open your word and consider uh, the glory of the Incarnation and some of its implications. Teach us, Father. Open our eyes to see wonderful things from your word. I pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Yeah, um, we next Sunday, the twentieth, we we will have a special Christmas service uh, at our at our uh, uh, ten forty five hour, uh, but we will also uh, be having our normal Sunday school classes at nine thirty at that time. But we will have a, a special Christmas service at, at ten forty five. So, okay, good. Well. Uh, it was pretty close to this date, almost this very date, 65 years ago, uh, that a young missionary with Missionary Aviation Fellowship by the name of Nate Saint retreated to a back room and sat down at his typewriter to type a letter uh, to tell the world why he and four of his friends were at that time secretly going into the Ecuadorian jungle in attempt to contact a previously unreached people group who were at the time known as the Aucas. And I'd like to uh, read you now a portion of that letter uh, that Nate Saint wrote. As we have a high old time this Christmas, may we who know Christ hear the cry of the damned as they hurtle headlong into a Christless night without ever a chance. May we be moved with compassion as our Lord was. May we shed tears of repentance for these we have failed to bring out of darkness. Beyond the smiling scenes of Bethlehem, may we see the crushing agony of Golgotha. May God give us a new vision of his will concerning the lost and our responsibility. Would that we could comprehend the lot of these Stone Age people who live in mortal fear of ambush on the jungle trail, those to whom the bark of a gun means sudden, mysterious death. Those who think all men in all the world are killers like themselves. If God would grant us the vision, the word sacrifice would disappear from our lips and thoughts. We would hate the things that seem now so dear to us. Our lives would suddenly be too short we would despise time-robbing distractions and charge the enemy with all our energies in the name of Christ. May God help us to judge ourselves by the eternities 
that separate the Akas from a comprehension of Christmas and Him, who, through, who though He was rich, yet for our sakes became poor, so that we might, through His poverty, be made rich. I've read this because not only is it one of the greatest missionary letters ever written outside the actual canon of Scripture, but Nate Saint captures the connection between Christ's birth and his death on the cross with one verse, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. It really all comes down to the incarnation, God coming to the earth and becoming a man. Fully, 100% God, fully, 100% man. In speaking of the difficulties that skeptics have with the Bible, J.I. Packer says this, quote, the real difficulty lies not in the Good Friday message of the atonement or the Easter message of the resurrection, but in the Christmas message of the incarnation, unquote. So if one accepts that Jesus is fully God and fully man, it's reasonable that he could be born of a virgin. If we admit that such a state exists in Jesus, his miracles make sense. The God-man would qualify to atone for sinners' sins. And one who is both almighty, sovereign God, and at the same time sinless man could even defeat death itself early in the morning on the first day of the week. It all hinges on the incarnation. John 1.14 gives us the fact of the incarnation. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. But 2 Corinthians 8-9 gives us the meaning of the incarnation. Back to John 1-14, it simply lays out the incarnation. The Word, God, became flesh, a real human being. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Which is to say that while God became a human being, he surrendered none of his deity. 2 Corinthians 8 9 in context is about giving. Specifically, the Apostle Paul is exhorting the Corinthian church uh, to make good on a commitment that they had made the previous year to take an offering to send to the poor church in Jerusalem. And so Paul gives two examples 
First, at the beginning of chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, he gives the example of the Macedonian church, the poor church who, out of their poverty, took a collection to send to the Jerusalem church. And then he gives the example in verse 9 here of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. But in showing the example of the Lord as giver, we get more detail about the incarnation itself. And I dare say some practical understanding for our own lives concerning the incarnation. This verse has the form of a chiasm. A chiasm is a literary device in which a sequence of ideas is presented and then repeated in reversed order. The result is a mirror effect as the ideas are reflected back in the passage and each idea is connected to its reflection by a repeated word or idea and you can see here by the example the result if you draw a line is an X or the Greek letter chi from which we get the, the term uh, chiasm. So let's take a look at this. Let's take a look at this, at this chiasm um, which actually starts after the first phrase for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, and then the reflection, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. First, what Jesus did for us was a matter of grace. It was his grace, grace in the sense of his being the giver. I remember several years ago uh, a phrase that Jim used. I have it written in the margin of my Bible. Our giver has deep pockets. Deep pockets indeed. To be able to say some things about Christ's riches is really important. Really important. So the riches that he possessed were like an infinite version of what I experienced the second time I went to Russia. I would, I would show a, a photo of my family to these Russians I met. And it was a picture of, of Aaron and Jonathan and Natalie. And here was Pat holding little infant Ilana. And uh, they would look at the, the, many of the Russians would look at that picture and they would say, you are very rich. It was ri I was rich because I had five loving relationships represented in that picture. Jesus dwelt in perfect intra-Trinitarian love with the Father and with the Spirit. John 5, 20, 14, 31, and 16, 5 through 15. It was the riches of relationship. Father and Son love. Perfect communication with the Holy Spirit. He was worshipped by the angels and all the heavenly hosts. He had all authority. Ephesians 1.10 He had created all things and all creation was for Him. Colossians 1.16 He had all wisdom. 
all knowledge, Colossians 2, 3. In fact, he was as the Father, perfect and infinite in holiness, righteousness, mercy, grace, omniscience, which means he was all-knowing, omnipotence and omnipresence. He had all the riches of transcendence, self-existence, self-sufficiency. He had an inheritance, and all believers in him, from the distant past to when he returns, are that inheritance. Ephesians 1.18, yes? He was rich. But before we go on, I want us to look at the riches of the glory he had. He was glorious, he dwelt in glory, and he said to the Father in his high priestly prayer in John 17, Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. He had glory with the Father, and I know of of no passage in the Scripture that speaks more of the Father's glory than in the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 6. If you will turn there with me in your Bibles, about at the halfway point in your Bible, and that's Isaiah chapter 6. Turn there in your Bible or hit your device or however you want to do it. We used to, always used to say, I love to hear those pages turning, but now I love to hear clicks and, you know. However you, want to, however you want to do it. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. In the year that King Uzziah died, <clears throat> I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings, and with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He had glory with the Father, yet for our sake he became poor. Why did he become poor? For our sake. Think of that. For our sakes, he left the presence of the Father and the glory he had with him. The zenith, the height, more glory than we can even imagine. To dive to the depths, the nadir, that we can ever imagine. And for that, stay in Isaiah Turn to the right, several chapters, Isaiah 53. 
We're going to continue with Isaiah. For he shall grow up before him like a tender plant and like a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. We said that he was rich in the love that he shared with the Father. And yet, for those ghastly hours at Calvary on the cross, he left the Father's love to experience his wrath. Only God could stay the hand of Abraham who was about to slay his son Isaac. But God did not stay his own hand in slaying his son. Yet for our sakes, yet for our sakes he became poor. He left the glory of heaven for a feed trough. Mild he lay his glory by, born that man no more may die, wrote Charles Wesley and Hark the Herald Angels Sing. He was worshipped in the presence of angels. He was now pursued by Herod, hated by the Pharisees, rejected by his own, misunderstood by his family, sentenced to death by Rome, and killed by all who would shout, Crucify him. Yet for our sakes he became poor. His glory was veiled. A far cry from the transfigured Christ of Matthew 17.2. And he was transfigured before him and his face shone like the sun and his garments became as white as light. And yet for your sakes, he became poor. Let's remember that Jesus did not at any point cease to be God. But compared to what he had in heaven, what he left, he became poor, poor for our sakes. If we would meditate on that sublime little phrase, yet for your sake, he became poor, how would things change in our lives? The condescension 
of doing things outside our comfort zone in the cause of Christ, teaching a Bible study, volunteering in a wana or nursery or a children's church, giving the gospel, participating in music ministry, would be nothing compared to the condescension of Christ in becoming poor for our sake at the Incarnation. Well, now we come to the middle of the chiasm. And it's appropriate that the cross is at the center of that chiasm so that you, through his poverty, and here's the reason for his becoming poor. It's John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's Ephesians 3, 18 and 19, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, <laughs> that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Brothers and sisters, why do we sell our Lord short? We all do it. Every time we sin, it's a disparaging remark. It's, it's a flash of prideful anger, a lustful thought. In my own life, it's because I so easily forget this principle, that he became poor for us, that there might be an exchange. Now that exchange comes to fruition in the last part of this chiasm that we might become rich. He was rich in the Father's love. Now we believers are rich in the Father's love. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. 1 John 3, 1a. He was rich in an inheritance. Now we believers are rich in an inheritance. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. <clears throat> He was rich in glory, and now believers are privileged to reflect that glory. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.18 Now, let's remember the context of this wonderful verse in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. The context is what? It's giving. It's giving. It's reminding the Corinthian church to fulfill their commitment to give to the poor church in Jerusalem. 
So maybe it's time for you and me this season to give a little extra money to the work of the Lord, or if not money, time. You know, during this season, and I don't just mean the Christmas season, but during COVID season, there are many people we love that we normally see sitting in these empty seats who are at home and have been at home uh, for a long time, and they're really having, some of them really having tremendous difficulty dealing with this. Maybe it's time to just make a phone call and say, I'm just going to stay on the phone and talk to this person as long as they want to talk and just have a good conversation. Maybe that's the kind of giving that we need to do. But whether it's giving time or money, it's an additional act of worship because he who was rich became poor for us that we through his poverty might become rich. So if you're here this morning or if you're listening online and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, I want to talk to you for a moment. I want to talk to you about and emphasize another point of this exchange, this chiasm. That is, we talked about the Lord Jesus being rich in the Father's love. The Lord Jesus had peace relationship with his father. The scripture in Luke 19 tells us that there is peace in heaven. But while he had peace with God in coming to earth, he became the enemy of God so that you could have peace with God. Implication, if you're without Jesus Christ, you don't have peace with God. In fact, according to Romans 5, you're God's enemy. Romans 5, 1 tells us that when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So I say, if you have never trusted Jesus Christ, why not give yourself the perfect Christmas present this year? And it's a Christmas present that will last for all eternity. Pray and tell God you know you're a sinner. You know you're a rebel against him. You know the payment for sin is death, eternal separation from God in hell. Pray and tell God that you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross to take the punishment you deserved and you're trusting in him and him alone now to save you from your sin, from that punishment. And then thank him for the peace you now have with him. That you're now his beloved child. You can do that. You don't have to walk an aisle. You can do that in the quietness of your heart. And if you uh, are here and are doing that and want to talk to me about it, I'd be glad to talk to you afterwards. If you're online, you can shoot off an email to the church or reply uh, there online. We can talk. But also for us who are already believers, the cross is central. And it's the cross that we remember as we go to the Lord's table uh, in a few moments. We're going to have some time of silent prayer for confession of sin, but perhaps it's also a good time 
to ask, Lord, how can I show others the greatest depth of poverty that Jesus experienced so that I could reach the greater heights of riches than I could have ever imagined? Here, application, this Advent season, how can I communicate and demonstrate to a lost and dying world the riches of the Incarnation as set forth in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. I want us to uh, bow our heads, close our eyes, and uh, have a time of silent confession, silent prayer. As you're doing that, this I want you to know um, that uh, the Lord's table here is not the table of Grace Bible Church. It's open to anyone who has placed personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you're here and you have not trusted Christ, uh, we invite you just to observe and consider what's going on. Consider this principles that we've discussed this morning. So let's go to the Lord now.